In the name of one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Ain't no denying, it's hard to be a Christian today. It's even harder to be in a faithful Christian community. On the one hand, we have some of our Christian siblings who have confused American nationalism with following Jesus. They're making us all look bad. We have, on the other hand, a group of Christians who are condemning large swaths of God's children. And they're causing a lot of pain, a lot of isolation. And then we have you all. Going to church is countercultural right now. Plenty of other things to do on a Sunday, right? If you are a football fan, you know the phrase one and done, and last Sunday, whoo, brutal. One and done. Well, the church follows none and done. The nuns are those who don't want anything to do with religion, at least institutional religion, and they are growing by leaps and bounds. And there are older folks who are becoming the duns. They're bone-weary from carrying the weight of the work of the church community, and they're just kind of withdrawing. To top it all off, we have the pandemic. That has kept us apart. It has created fear. It has caused divisions. And it has depleted our resources. As little as 14 years ago, when I was a new priest, there were all kinds of books and programs about growing your church. Churches were desperate and willing to jump through any hoops to do anything to grow. If only we had an engaging young priest. I was never a young priest. If only we had an engaging young priest. If only parishioners would give more money. If they'd pray more. If they'd just study the Bible. If only we had a better marketing program. If only we had a more successful business model. Then those elusive families with children, they would flood our buildings and all would be well. Well, those of you who were in the church at that time as leaders, you may have worn yourselves down trying all of those strategies that just didn't work. I know that I did. But still, despite our best efforts, most of us didn't see the church grow. And the tendency was that we beat ourselves up or we started casting blame we thought we were the only ones who were failing. Well, today, the book titles for church growth are ridiculous. A friend of mine is reading How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going. Canoeing the Mountains, Christian Leadership in Uncharted Territory. Claiming Resurrection in the Dying Church. These books all tell us there are no easy fixes that new priests and new programs will not save us. Out-of-the-box creativity and imagination and significant change, those are the only ways forward. And of course, 
we actually do need to stand up and follow Jesus. And follow Jesus into the unknown. Because we don't. It's hard being a Christian these days. And it's even harder being a part of this faithful community. But come to think of it, was it ever easy? You look at the two readings that we have today, and Jeremiah wasn't following a crucified Christ, but his role as a prophet was daunting, it was frightening, because prophets speak God's truth, come what may. And they're often reviled and punished for their words by those who don't want to hear the truth. And God doesn't ever let them off the hook. Just ask Jonah or Mary or Paul, or we can go down the list. Jeremiah's call story that we hear today, it it lifts up the courage that it takes to follow God's call. Those words that we translate as, God touched his mouth. Actually, the words in Hebrew aren't that tender. God struck or God jolted his mouth, says the original. Having God's words in his mouth, they changed Jeremiah forever. It's no wonder he protests. I don't know how to speak. I'm just a boy. Yeah, good try, Jeremiah. I can identify. I'm too old. I'm I'm too shy. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too young. I'm too boisterous. I got all the time in the world, whatever it is. Can't you find someone else more qualified? I bet we can all identify with that because following God is hard. But God needs us. God needs us, and only we can hear God's powerful words and deeds of love that will bring life to the world. thought that was me. And then there are those Corinthians. Talk about a difficult congregation, my God. We usually read today's passage at weddings, and we hear about love described as warm and fuzzy and all those marital bliss. Well, Paul wasn't talking about holy matrimony. Paul's writing to a church that is in conflict, to Christians who are acting in unloving ways. If you are in a committed relationship, you know that lovers boast. They are often angry and envious, and they insist on their own way because, you know what, they're human. But Paul is calling everyone in the community of Corinth to account for their behavior. He's asking them to turn from action directed toward power and prestige into action that is bringing them toward love. Here at the cathedral, we're blessed by a loving community. It's still work. We're blessed. I'm thankful that unlike the Corinthians, we put a high value on loving action in all its forms. Paul would cheer to know that we admit we are an imperfect people in a hurting and broken world. We're far from seeking power. We promote joy and community and grace and mercy and that we are open to all. The temptation for us today in the church is to get discouraged, to feel that love is not enough to keep us going, to keep us together. If you're raised in the 70s and you're a fan of Captain and Tennille, then you know that is a lie. 
love, love will keep us together. Still, we can't help but wonder if the church is dying, if the things are as bad and as bleak as I say they are. Why not just stay in bed, go hiking? But look around at the world. The world is in pain. Our world needs the love of Jesus Christ more than ever. Our world needs Trinity Cathedral. Our world needs the Diocese of Arizona and all the churches and all we have to offer. We live in a broken world that, like the Corinthians, values wielding power and amassing wealth and being right more than it values compassionate love. We live in a world that is beaten down by pandemic and fire and racism and war, the terrifying unfolding of climate change. We live in a world where people feel unvalued and alone and unworthy. And as the hands and feet and heart of Jesus Christ in this stricken world, we're being called. God is hovering over the top of 100 West Roosevelt Street, weeping over the piles of hopes and dreams all around, weeping over God's beloved children who sleep in the streets, over refugees with nowhere to go, over bodies and minds broken by two years of COVID and the abuse and disease that has come with it. And God is giving our little cathedral a fierce collective touch. God is saying, you shall leave what is cozy and familiar. You shall open yourselves to all whom I send you, and you shall shower them with my love. No excuses. We're not too old. We're not too small. We're not lacking in resources. All we need to know is that God is with us. God is with us as we build and as we plant with love. Because church growth comes and goes, but God's love endures forever. My hope for Trinity Cathedral in 2022 is that we actively prepare ourselves for the distinct call to love that is coming. It's not a call that is a recipe for growth. It is a call to discipleship, to evangelism. It's a call to follow Jesus. And isn't that why we're here in the first place? The call isn't something that any of us can create or control or make happen on any timelines. It may come in a blinding flash, or it may come as a trickle like water over stones. It is something that we can actively and prayerfully look for and listen for together so that we don't miss it as it comes. And as we prepare, may we, may we do what is most fun, what brings the most joy, those things that are important and life-giving and loving, and those things which are most authentic. 
May we rejoice in the people who are here. May we seek the people who are not. May we be gentle with each other. May we know that each of us takes the gut punch of grief differently. And may we make the most of who we are and whose we are and what we have and use our imaginations. And if you're a bullet pointer like I am, here's seven. Make room for what is coming. That is, clean up our messes accumulated over the last hundred years. And I mean stuff. Keep the stuff that is good, but for that stuff that we have used lovingly and can pass on, or that stuff for which we have held because we have felt a scarcity in God's love, get rid of it. Empty space invites new ideas. And here at Trinity, we've been doing those tasks. We've been emptying, but there's plenty more to clean out. Look at our history and know where we come from so that we can stay true to ourselves. Partake of the offerings during this centennial celebration. They are blessings and they are holy. Go on pilgrimage. Go with Troy to the Holy Land. Most importantly, go on pilgrimage in the neighborhood. Find out who lives here. Find out who they are and what they're about and how we can help them. Turn out our pockets to see what little crumbs we've hidden away that we might have forgotten about. Don't worry about gathering an abundance. Just be sure that we're using all the resources that we have. Try things out. When people come to us with needs and ideas, say yes. For all of you who are here every week, you may know this, but there are no fairies or magic brooms that prepare this space for worship. Say yes when people ask for you to help. And look outside of this cathedral. See where love is already being poured out in our community and join in. There's no need to reinvent the wheel and there's no need to work alone. And lastly, expect annoyances. Expect trespasses because change is messy. Living together is messy. Just ask the Corinthians. But remember, no matter what, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. And the greatest of these is love. <laughs>